big faith. It can give you a confidence that God will help you through anything in your life. But big faith isn't just for the super religious. So how do we create big faith in our lives? Well, that's today on our podcast. Hey everyone, it's Karen G from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast. You can listen to this podcast each week on your dog walk, on your morning commute, or just while you're making dinner. And we really hope it will help you figure out your next steps on your own personal faith journey. Our next sermon series is going to dive into the five things that God uses to grow a strong, vibrant faith in all of us. So let's kick it off to Pastor Teresa Swenson for part one right now. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad to introduce you this morning to our new sermon series for the month of August. There are five Sundays in August, and we are going to spend those five Sundays talking about five things that God uses to grow your faith. You know, we start out in the life of faith when we repent and believe the gospel, when we turn to Jesus, trusting him to save us from our sin, ourselves, our self-righteousness, our self-centeredness. We start out like little seedlings as newborn babies just looking to God to love us, to forgive us, to give us faith, hope, and love. But we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in our confidence that God is with us, that God is for us, and God is working through us. We want to grow into developing a deeper, more mature relationship with Jesus, where God can use us to show his love to others. So in the month of August, we will explore five faith catalysts and how you can develop a growing, vibrant faith. Faith, as you know, is a free gift, but to grow your faith takes effort. As the Apostle Peter tells us in his letter, 2 Peter chapter 1, He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we long for? To be kept from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter describes the ground as faith and the goal as love. He says, God's divine power has already given us everything we need. That is the gift of faith, which scripture tells us is a gift from God, not by works, lest any of us should boast. 
But once we receive that gift of faith, we have to make every effort to grow our faith, to add goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and love. Some of that effort has to do with things that we control and we choose. Some of that effort has to do with how we respond to things that happen to us, things that we might never choose for ourselves. So our new sermon series distills these into five things that God uses to grow our faith. Those five things are practical teaching from the Bible, providential relationships, private disciplines, personal ministry, and pivotal circumstances. Can you see how each one of these things helps us to grow in our faith and our love for God and for one another? Practical teaching from the Bible and providential relationships help us grow in goodness and knowledge. Private disciplines help us grow in self-control and perseverance. Personal ministry helps us grow in godliness and mutual affection. And pivotal circumstances help us grow as we respond in faith, in our love for God and our love for our neighbor. Today, I want us to consider the first one, which is practical teaching from the Bible. Practical teaching from the Word sheds light on your everyday path. It shows us both where we are and where we need to go. Practical teaching helps us hear God's Word so that it moves our heart into action with our lips, our mind, our hands, and our feet. We begin in the Sermon on the Mount, which you remember is recorded in Matthew chapter 4. verse chapter 7, and that sermon is full of practical teaching. You remember some of Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to be blessed, be humble, be merciful, be a peacemaker, love your enemies, do to others as you would have them do to you. All of these gems come from Matthew chapters 5 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't dedicate your life to accumulating stuff. Do not worry about tomorrow. Give away what you have and trust God to provide for you. The one who provides for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air will certainly provide for you everything that you need. So there were giant crowds that had gathered to hear Jesus as he delivered this teaching. And Jesus wanted them to hear it. But Jesus wanted more than that for them. He wanted them to go from that place and live it. So at the conclusion of Jesus' teaching, which comes in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus told a tale of two builders one wise builder and one foolish builder. Both builders hear Jesus' words, but only one puts his words into practice and lives it. Jesus uses 
the metaphor of building a house to illustrate what we build our lives on. Do we build our lives on something that will last or on something that will crash? He tells the story in the scripture from Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Well, let us consider today these two houses. First is the house on the rock. And let's go with Jesus in his metaphor that we are all building something. We are building a life. We're building a career. We're building a friendship. We're building a social network. We're building a family. We're building a neighborhood. And we build on some foundation that we consider reliable. If we have heard Jesus' words, do we consider his words to have authority in our lives, to be a reliable foundation? Not to live by Jesus' words is a decision to live by someone else's words. Whose words are you building your life on? Whose words play in your head? Whose values? Whose priorities? Is it your parents' approving or disapproving parents? Is it your friends? Approving or disapproving friends? Your siblings? Is it your social media? Is it your news channel? Or, as Zelda Fitzgerald said, we lived by the philosophies of popular songs. Maybe it's the popular songs that play in your head that tell you how to live your life. These are all competing voices, and they need to be countered by the voice of the Good Shepherd. We need to first hear his word, know his word, study his word, and build it into our thinking so we let God's word influence our choices. I saw a sign in the New York Public Library back when it was open before COVID, and the sign said, Think before you speak, read before you think. Because what you read, what voices you listen to, make all the difference in whether you are a wise or foolish builder. At Tower Hill, we have lots of opportunities for you to hear the words of Jesus. We have Bible studies, we have small group opportunities, and of course, Outside of Tower Hill, there's lots of opportunities to hear the word. There's a U version of the Bible you can download onto your phone. It will play the words. It will read the word to you. We have daily bread Bible meditations. 
Whatever your Bible reading habit is, if you have no habit, start small. Start with just a verse of the day, but begin to find a way to build the words of Jesus into your life so that you can read before you think. Well, what happens when storms come to the house on the rock? You notice it says the rain comes down, the floods come up, and the winds beat away against that house. And so you notice that the house built on the rock is not spared storms. It is not spared trouble. Obeying Jesus is not a magic charm to keep the storms and the troubles of life away from us. The same storms strike the thoughtful and the foolish builders' houses. Because faith is not a protection from the storm, but is a protection through the storm, the rock under the house supports it during the storm. And all we see at the end of the storm buffeting the house on the rock is that the house is still standing after the storm. Of course, for many of us that lived here through Superstorm Sandy, we can think of storms beating against houses. And of course, we had a number of members of the church who lost their homes in Sandy. It was a very challenging time if you lived here at the church. And I had the responsibility of calling one of our members who lived in a house right on the river to tell him he was away in Florida that the entire back of his house had been smashed in by the storm and all of his possessions floated out and floated back in when the storm surge was over. And so I called and and I delivered the news and he took a long pause where he didn't say anything. And then he asked me a few questions about exactly what happened and what the status of things were now. And then he had another long pause. And then he said to me, in the words from the book of Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I was astounded that even though his house fell, his faith was still sound and he was still standing, standing in the light of the Lord in the storm. Well, let's take a look at the house on the sand. And think about what kind of house are you building? So a house that's built on sand needs to be propped up. It needs to be propped up by pop psychology or self-indulgence or personal ambition or a conviction that you need to live for today and you deserve the best. And you notice that the people that build their house on the sand are ones who heard the word. They heard, they enjoyed, they admired the word, 
but they did not live it. Hearing but not doing Jesus' word is mixing a foundation of sand. They heard Jesus' words, but maybe they found it too hard to love God and too inconvenient to love a neighbor. God can't mean to love this neighbor. That's not practical. The same storms came, the wind, the rain, and the flood. As Bob Dylan sang, it's a hard rain, a gonna fall. A storm that will prove what our hopes are based on. And be sure that the storm will come. So what happens when the storm comes to the house on the sand? All that it was built on washes away. It fell with a great crash. If I have only heard Jesus' words and not done them, I have not grown in my faith. And my faith is not strong enough to see me through the storm. You know, as a pastor, I have the privilege of walking beside people during all kinds of crises in their lives. And for those that have not built their faith to withstand a storm, I often hear the question, why is this happening to us? We did everything right. This is not what we deserve. And of course, I don't say that at the time, but I think sometimes, who promised you that? What made you think that everything in your life was going to turn out just the way you wanted it to because you did everything right? Jesus said, in this world, you will always have trouble. But take courage. I have overcome the world. That is the shelter, not from the storm, but the shelter through the storm. Jesus always gives us very practical teaching from the word. Our Matthew chapter 7 passage ends by saying, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority. You can be sure that Jesus is the very best teacher of all, the most practical teacher who knows exactly where to apply the word to the troubles of your life. Jesus said, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so let me ask you to let Jesus be your teacher this summer. Put the Gospels on your summer reading list. If you've never read a Gospel all the way through, choose one. Mark is the shortest one. We're being very practical here. 16 chapters in two weeks. You can read the whole thing if you read a chapter a day. Let Jesus teach you and speak directly to your heart. You will be amazed at his teaching, but he doesn't want you to end with amazement. Let Jesus' teaching move your heart to action. 
with your lips, your mind, your hands, and your feet. Let Jesus' very practical teaching change the way you speak, the way you think, the way you serve in the world, and your faith will grow. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.